Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype right to the heart of the big issues of the day. Today, we're delving into the UBS CIO outlook on the second quarter, and we have three excellent guests on our panel to unpack it for us. The first quarter of 2023 brought stronger-than-expected economic growth in the US, a faster-than-expected reopening in China, and confirmation that Europe had sufficient energy to avoid a sharp contraction. But inflation has failed to fall as quickly as hoped, and the sudden turbulence in the global banking system demonstrates that higher interest rates are having perhaps unintended consequences. With inflection points in interest rates and economic growth ahead, staying focused on the long term, mitigating risks, managing costs and seizing attractive potential returns are among the key challenges in the months ahead. So what should smart investors do? Well, the report furnishes us with answers to some of these questions. So let's dip in. We start with Kieran Ganesh, Head of Investment Communications at UBS, one of the editors-in-chief of the Q2 Outlook. Kieran, great to chat with you. Always intriguing to see what you and your colleagues have come up with uh, when you offer us the outlook on the the next quarter. And I guess I'll start with the sort of the, the headline of the piece, Stability Amid Uncertainty. I guess we're still in an uncertain environment. There's still quite a bit of volatility around and that is going to be front and centre, isn't it, for investors wherever they are, is to find stability for their portfolio and to try and make sense of some of the white noise that's still still around. Yes, and that's really the key objective for us in terms of the, the quarterly outlook is to, to give uh, investors ideas to make their portfolios and their financial plans more stable at what is a particularly uncertain time. We are approaching some really important inflection points. We call this the year of inflections in our annual outlook, and, and we're certainly approaching some of these, whether it's respect to interest rates, where it looks likely we're going to hit a peak in interest rates over the course of the next um, few months, and whether it's about growth, where, of course, some of the challenges we've had in the banking sector may have negative implications for economic growth if banks start to reduce lending. And then, of course, the big question around inflation, which is now falling, which is good, but probably less quickly um, than had been hoped. Um, So a big question mark about what happens to inflation. So overall, it's certainly an uncertain time, but we're trying to uh, deliver some of the ideas to help investors navigate this. Absolutely. And we're going to hear from a couple of your colleagues a little later in the programme about some specific areas. But maybe let's go through just some of the headlines in terms of what investors uh, should do to best position. Perhaps you could pick out one or two. We can sort of start at the top, Kieran, I guess. There's various factors, as you say, which are influencing decision making. Uh, What are some of the things investors should be looking to do? One of the most important things that's going to happen in the next few months is that we'll be shifting from an environment of rising interest rates into an environment of flat or potentially even falling interest rates. And a lot of investors who've been holding high levels of cash in anticipation of those interest rates you receive on those cash going up um, will be faced with the challenge because some of the available interest rates in longer term cash and fixed income Uh, solutions will start to drop. And that means that we think that investors shouldn't wait until the last interest rate increase before looking at ways of locking in current rates. So we're thinking about how to buy into quality fixed income assets or longer term cash deposit solutions or even diversified portfolios as a way to get some of that excess cash invested. Um, Because for us, one of the key risks for investors in the coming months and years 
is if they continue to sit on high cash allocations while interest rates are falling, they're left with a big opportunity cost while the returns on that cash are, are falling. So getting invested into high quality fixed income for people who are holding excess cash, we think is one you know, really key theme for the coming months. A second one is around diversification away from the US. Um, a lot of the issues that are facing the banking sector are actually quite concentrated in the US regional banking sector, which has been a bit lower capitalized and a bit more lightly regulated than some of the larger US banks and some of the European banks. And what that means is that if those banks are now going to have to increase the amount of capital that they hold or hold back on lending in order to improve their liquidity ratios, it means that it's going to be a negative for the US economy. Of course, a lot of small businesses do rely on regional banks um, to fund their businesses. So we think that that means that you're going to see US equities underperforming relative to equities in other parts of the world, and particularly emerging markets, which should be supported by China's reopening. We also think that the US dollar is going to depreciate against other currencies dollar has long been very strong because the US has grown more quickly than other developed countries. and It's also had higher interest rates than other developed countries. If the US economy now starts to slow, then the reasons to invest in, dollar, in the dollar will start to ebb. And we think that's favourable for other currencies like the Swiss franc, the euro, the pound, the Australian dollar, and even assets like gold. Yeah, well, we'll talk a bit more with Wayne about the dollar weakness and what that might mean. I'm interested in this idea. It's, it's interesting already you've said about diversifying beyond the US and growth. And there are other ways, aren't there, Kieran, to look at diversification. It's always it's always important to think about. But whether that's, I don't know, you know even alternatives, that's an interesting space. And again, something that the, the outlook touches upon. Yes, yeah, so it's really about picking the right areas within alternative assets. Um, I think we've you know, spoken before on the, on the podcast about um, the importance of making sure that portfolios are diversified beyond just equities and bonds because there are risks that they can move together sometimes and including alternative assets like hedge funds, like private markets. Within the alternative space, we're currently quite focused on macro hedge funds and because traditionally these haven't had such a high correlation to equity markets. And we think that going forward over the next six to nine months, equities are going to be quite volatile but have relatively limited returns. And that means that looking for things like macro funds, which tend to deliver returns even when equity markets might be falling, um, that should be advantageous in a, in a portfolio. Um, and we're also looking at um, real assets, so uh, things like infrastructure, things like commodities. Um, having real assets in a portfolio can help diversify income streams. And it's also quite a useful hedge against longer term inflation risks. I think the rates of inflation we're currently experiencing have come as a su- surprise to many. And we haven't seen these kinds of rates of inflation for more than 40 years. But of course, there may be risks that this happens sometime in the future, and particularly if uh, central banks are forced to cut interest rates um, more quickly to deal with financial stability risks. So we think that uh, infrastructure, whether through direct uh, infrastructure plays or indirectly um, investing in things like the equities of utility companies or industrials companies can make sense. And we also retain a preference for commodities. We think that this market still remains undersupplied. Um, And especially with demand picking up uh, with China's reopening, we think the commodity prices will rise as well. So having some real asset exposure in a portfolio can help diversify further as well as hedge against inflation risks. 
Kieran, we've talked about sustainable investing as a in, in broad terms as, a, as an interesting thematic on a number of occasions. And I guess this is another moment to think about going sustainable. Uh, the outlook looks at this specifically and not just because there's sort of prevailing sentiment around this, but also for some quite specific reasons. There's legislation in the US, changes in the EU and in lots of in fact, in other in other domestic markets, which mean that green investment is more attractive. This is a, another good one to, that we that we often come back to. But again, the time is right now. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, we've long talked about sustainable investing as, you know, not just a, a kind of values based thing to do, but also an opportunity from a pure financial standpoint as well. And over the past year or so, we've seen a really significant increase uh, in government spending related to the energy transition. And this is currently causing quite a lot of consternation in Europe at the moment that uh, uh, the US, with its Inflation Reduction Act, uh, announced hundreds of billions of dollars worth of spending and subsidies for companies investing in green technologies. So clearly that should be a benefit for uh, companies which are focused on energy efficiency or on renewable energy uh, and also even areas like water efficiency. We think that whole environmental space around efficiency will benefit in the coming months from some of that uh, extra spending from the US government and some of the extra spending that other governments are now having to put in place to uh, try and compete. So a big focus on on some of those beneficiaries um, from that government spending. And then also more broadly within sustainable investing, you know, we, we like bonds as an asset class and there's plenty of opportunities uh, within sustainable bonds, whether we look at green bonds or multilateral development bank bonds. You know, these are interesting areas to us from a portfolio diversification standpoint. And there's also a growing opportunity set within the alternatives universe um, in sustainable investing as well. You know, for a long time, it was quite difficult to invest in assets like hedge funds in a sustainable investing context. But now that solution set is growing and we really think that the opportunity for sustainable investors to diversify portfolios really broadly is increasing and that's an exciting opportunity. Kieran Ganesh. Well, let's dive a little deeper into some of those areas with the other members of our panel this week. First up is Antonia Seriska, Sustainable Investment Strategist at UBS CIO. Antonia, thank you for joining us this week. We're going to focus on the sustainable investing piece. Why is sustainability so important to keep front and centre during uncertain and volatile times? Sustainable investing in particular has grown to be quite mainstream in the recent years. We know that it's moved beyond sort of a very niche type of investing into something that investors are increasingly aware of, increasingly willing to to contribute to. Uh, We've seen positive inflows towards sustainable investing funds uh, over the past three, four years. And that's also been coupled with a lot of more innovation and great investment strategies out there in the market. In particular, over the past couple of years, we've also seen positive trends coming from policymakers as well as broader investor communities and consumers, of course, towards sustainability. So maybe if we if we just highlight some of the policy and capital spending developments that we have seen across the US, for instance, with the Inflation Reduction Act or the EU's response with the EU New Green Deal or some of the other public spending plans across China and Asian countries, we're definitely seeing a lot more opportunities in sustainability going forward. 
Uh, yeah, and I guess those specific pieces of legislation are instructive, aren't they? Because they do provide something of a tailwind for companies operating in that space. If we're looking at equities, these are areas like renewables, I guess, water, lots of things that are affected by the ongoing sort of climate crisis and, and discussions ar- around that area. They give a, an interesting sort of thematic uh, direction, don't they? No, most definitely. And environmental topics continue to be on everyone's mind across regions, across kind of segments of of investments as well. And particularly the public capital spending has been directed towards a lot of those environmentally focused areas like renewables and electrification and the broader decarbonization topic. We've also seen, though, quite a bit of interest in socially oriented segments, for instance, healthcare and education. Part of it, of course, is the kind of response to the years of pandemic that we've just gone through that has really put in question our healthcare systems and our education systems. But a lot of it also has to do with increasing awareness of investors that sustainability is a broad spectrum of issues. So environment, definitely very important, social, no less important too. Yeah, and I suppose this is true as well if we look at bonds, for example, because you have bonds that are issued by MDBs, but there are also green bonds, sustainable bonds. There are so many more products as well now, aren't there, in other areas which also deliver really well according to this sustainability agenda. Definitely. I mean, traditionally, it's always been kind of a public equity space, right? So those thematic equities that we were just mentioning, fixed income becoming increasingly important for portfolios, especially after the year we have had and the year we have started in 2023. So fixed income allocations becoming very important for sustainability focused investors. But even more recently, there's been a lot of innovation within the alternative investment space. So we know private markets, for instance, have been around for a while and impact investors have benefited from being able to invest in early stage technology companies, you know, those biotech, edtech, health tech, but also uh, more on the energy efficiency or, or green technology side. But more recently, also hedge funds, right? The key alternative investment opportunity has done a lot more within sustainable investing. So, so definitely the breadth of opportunities continues to increase there. We think that's actually good news because sustainable investing is still investing. So a sustainability-focused investor should be able to have an extended toolbox in order to be able to really navigate through uncertainty, through the market cycle, through volatility. And therefore, we need, uh, we need more proliferation across asset classes and opportunities. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because one theme that we've kind of come back to, we always like to underscore the importance of diversification. Obviously, alternatives is is really key there. But there was, I guess, this a bit of a, not scepticism, but maybe just some concern, certainly in the hedge fund space, that there wasn't quite the transparency about what the un- underlying investment strategies are. But that's changed so much, hasn't it? And we there are so many more opportunities. A sustainable asset allocation is happening and it's it's easier to find the, these things. That's true, I guess, in, in hedge funds. It's true in PMs as well. Uh, Yes, I mean, particularly hedge funds, what we have seen more recently is more and more sustainability-focused hedge funds. So these are hedge funds that since their inception, you know, maybe five, ten years ago, have aimed to address sustainability issues, and they are becoming more and more available to investors as well. We also see that some of the more perhaps mainstream or conventional or larger hedge fund managers, the ones that we're normally used to seeing in non-sustainability focused portfolios have introduced sustainable investing strategies, recognizing the market opportunity out there. Hedge funds are information gatherers. They are opportunistic. They are looking for the, the possibility to deliver uncorrelated returns and sustainability has just offered them that, that space to play. On the private market side, very similarly, I think we're we're coming out of a lot of interesting uh, years in impact investing, particularly across venture capital and private equity. But more recently, strategies like buyout or something along the more traditional space like infrastructure, 
right, going back to this public capital spending around renewables uh, has also become quite attractive uh, from both a sustainability but also an investment perspective. Yeah, Antonio, maybe just finally on a sort of uh, on a headline basis, you know, the, the piece is stability amid uncertainty. We're in this year of inflections. We've spoken to colleagues from across UBS about that sort of overarching theme. And, you know, there is still uncertainty. There's volatility around inflection points ahead, be they related to interest rates or ongoing uh, growth figures as they're published. I guess one thing that underscores all of this, though, which it's worth focusing on is investors need to be mindful of longer term. Obviously, you need to talk about risk mitigation and sometimes that prompts shorter term action. But stay focused on the big picture. Take a long term view. It's it's always good to come back to some of those fundamentals, isn't it? Definitely. And, and we talked briefly about diversification. And I think this is where the diversification really comes into play, right? Because, of course, we need to be thinking about the, the short term to a certain extent. We need to be able to navigate through that volatility. And there are many investors that are perhaps concerned about whether current environment actually helps facilitate what is it that they're hoping to achieve also in the longer term. But I guess what's the important thing here is to stay committed to your investment strategy, to stay systematic, to focus on those long-term objectives and you know, stay through the volatility, stay invested through that volatility, stay diversified in order to be able to actually deliver on those longer-term goals in a few years. Antonia Sariska. Well, let's turn finally to another of our regular guests, Wayne Gordon, Managing Director in the UBS CIO in Singapore. Wayne, good to speak to you again. Thanks for being with us. I want to ask you about USD and also about the real assets part of the outlook. Let's talk a bit about US dollars, because I guess one of the sort of takeaways, one of the things that the outlook explores is this idea of positioning for for dollar weakness. Tell us a bit more about this. Yeah, sure. So we actually expect a weaker dollar over the next 12 months or so. Uh, There's a couple of components behind that. So firstly, we think that the US Federal Reserve is getting very close to the peak of its uh, interest rate hiking cycle. At the same time, we think that US growth is going to continue to decelerate into the end of the year. And potentially, the US Federal Reserve could even start to entertain the idea of cutting rates by the end of the year, if not early 2024. So these factors tend to undermine the strength of the US dollar, particularly as you look more broader afield out here in Asia, as well as into Europe, where you could see some divergence, not just on the interest rate front, but also on the growth side, which supports those currencies and the currencies out here, which are linked to the recovery in China, for example. I want to shift gears slightly and talk to you a little bit about uh, real assets, because when we look at the the Q2 outlook, there's a really interesting section here about exactly that, whatever it might be, I guess. There's commodities, there's infrastructure projects, real estate, of course. These are all things that deliver on that diversification piece, but I guess also on on income. And I guess, importantly, during this sort of inflationary periods, they they can offer some mitigation to that. Is it a combination of those factors that makes these real assets uh, things to consider as we look ahead? to Q2? Yes, it is indeed. And look, when we think about real assets, also the the infrastructure side, as well as the commodity side, there are a couple of clear messages here. Firstly, even though we are likely going into a bit of a slowdown of uh, US growth in particular over the course of the next 12 months, it's very clear that the transition from a fairly carbon intensive economy to a much lower Uh, intensity of carbon over the next uh, three to five years is going to focus very much on 
key commodities such as copper, aluminium, steel, others of these critical minerals, uh, as well as infrastructure. These things are key to remove carbon from our current economy. And we think that these things, which are broadly supported, not just by the dynamics um, that are underway right now, but also by governments more broadly, as they look to things like energy security, as well as reducing carbon from uh, their economies, we think that these particular items can perform very well in that context. Uh, Not only that, but as you say, they also provide income. And on the commodity side, we've seen significant underinvestment in key materials that we are going to need to inevitably make this transition to a lower carbon economy. And we think that those factors, not just the demand side, but also the lack of incoming supply, are going to keep commodity prices elevated over the next 12 to 18 months, if not longer. Wayne Gordon bringing us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week here on Monocle Radio. You can listen again and explore more at monocle.com. That's where you can join the club and subscribe to the magazine. You can also follow this programme wherever you get your podcasts and you can discover more and find out how UBS can help you by heading to ubs.com. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.